The joy, joy of the, of the Eucharist. Eucharist. <laughs> hey. So we're back again with the joy of the Eucharist, sharing how the Eucharist fills us with life and joy during this parish phrase of the Eucharistic revival. I am Father Alex Kroll, and of course I'm joined by... Stephanie Stovall. Yeah, we're at it again, ready to talk about um, the Eucharist and, and what great gift it is for us as Catholics, the source and summit of our Christian life. And so why don't we begin today with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Loving God, you gave us the Eucharist as the perpetual memorial of your Son's passion, death, and resurrection. May we unite our entire life to this mystery. May we come to encounter the Lord evermore in his life, passion, death, and resurrection through the power of the Holy Eucharist. And may our lives be one with him and our hearts beat together as one. We ask for your Holy Spirit to inspire us here today and all those who are listening to this podcast to a, a deeper love for the Holy Eucharist. And we ask that you would guard and protect us from all harm or any evil and pour out your blessings richly upon us. And we pray all this through Christ our Lord and with the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Stephanie, today we have one Who of our favorite people in the world, in the whole world, a living saint. Yes, no faces. We're striving she to be a living make, saint like all of us, but doing better than most faces. of us. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so blessed to have... Yeah, Cece Chapman Taylor's here with Woo. us. Hey, thanks for being here, Cece. Thank you for having me. This is a great gift for me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Well, tell us a little about um, yourself, Cece. Tell us... Uh, um, who you are and what drew you here. Okay. Um, who I am. I was born 70 years ago, uh, October 18, 1952, in Ada, Oklahoma. I attended St. Joseph Catholic Church and grade school in Ada. Graduated from Ada High School in 1970. Oh, geez. Uh, graduated East Central University in 1974 and attended OSU for one year after that. I worked as a Catholic school teacher, Catholic youth and young adult director for 14 years here in Oklahoma, and then was married for 17 years. Presently, I am living as a widow with two goofy canines and am gratefully active as a volunteer here at uh, our parish, St. John the Baptist. Awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, you've you've uh, done it all. You've been a part of the church, a big part of the church um, for, for your whole life. And so tell us a little bit about how the Eucharist has, has played into that. Um, I'm very blessed by my parents. Uh, they're the ones who brought me to uh, First Communion, uh, Pete and Marguerite Chapman. And um, what I recall about my First Communion was that um, I was dressed in white, and I wore a veil, and I had uh, white gloves and white shoes. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited. And um, part of before we left the, the grade school classroom and went over to church, one of the little boys was uh, 
being a little boy, and he grabbed a June bug and tried to put it around my neck. And, of course, I started screaming. (laughs) This is before going to Mass and receiving First Communion. And, of course, he was promptly corrected, and I was silenced. So um, that's, that's really, with my godparents being present and gifting me with a Hail Mary uh, holy card pamphlet with uh, some visuals of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the guardian angel uh, that I've kept all these years, uh, a little bit darker than it was, and uh, a First Communion rosary, a white one, very small. I, I don't have that much to my regret. But um, I do have the holy card. And I also kept an invitation to uh, my first communion dinner, which was uh, following in the parish hall um, with everyone in the parish to honor the first communicants. So it was, it was a beautiful experience I, I am very, very grateful for. And that you remember so much and have these items is really special what a gift all the details yeah in the front of the invitation to the dinner is a chalice and the host that i'm sure the nun saint and sister angela she may be a saint um, gave us and drew that for us um, and told us how to reverently receive jesus at that time we were receiving on the tongue and uh, one of the biggest challenges as a young person was to keep it from sticking to the roof of my mouth. <laughs> and she was, Sister Angela was very clear not to put our fingers in our mouths to get it off the roof of our mouths. And she was very clear about the reverence of kneeling. And uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Great gift. So that was my first grace of receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. So I went back through the different stages of my life and reflected on the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus and what that meant to me. Um, I went through grade school at the Catholic grade school, like I said, for eight years. We had daily Mass, very close to our priests. We were very blessed by that because my eighth grade graduation class only had eight people. <laughs> so I was truly spoiled, and uh, we were taught by Benedictine nuns. So um, great blessing, I have to say, the best of the best. Hmm. Then I moved on to a public high school, Ada High. Um, scared out of my wits, um, the priest who also gave me First Communion left our parish and then came back again at the time I entered high school. And he offered myself and my best friend, um, beginning my freshman year in high school, uh, to give us a communion service before we got on the bus to go over to the public high school. And he told us that Jesus would protect us in the Eucharist. And as I reflect on this today, I know Jesus did protect me during public high school. It was a very scary time, and I can look back and know specifically um, incident one incident that uh, I heard about later from other friends. Um, I was not invited to a party that uh, actually was very dangerous, and uh, they shared that with me years later 
I didn't even know about it, and I considered that one of the ways that Jesus protected me. Yeah, not only not going, but then also not knowing about it, because sometimes those things are so hurtful when you find out <laughs> about things that are happening. Yes. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So double yeah. grace. Yep. Yeah. So um, through those years, a hunger developed in me as I grew and experienced the love of Jesus in and through uh, daily communion in different ways. And uh, in reflection today and in preparing for this, I realized how many witnesses of sacrificial love, Jesus' sacrificial love I've had in my life. Um, My parents, as I said before, uh, my brothers and sisters, um, the lives of the saints, St. Therese of the Child Jesus specifically, uh, my mother kept a picture of her over her ironing board, and uh, when I went into confirmation, I chose her as my saint, or she chose me. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> nope. just, again, thankful. So um, in college, um, in, uh, East Central in Ada and then in uh, at OSU, there were two dynamic priests. One was uh, Father Jerry Mayfield. He was the vocations director at the time, and uh, Father Bob Slip at OSU. But Father Mayfield, uh, I think I was the last Catholic standing when I entered East Central University. <laughs> uh, my other friends had gone to different places <laughs> to go to school. But uh, Father Mayfield would drive down and uh, we would gather the other Catholics, and he would celebrate a Mass with us and and uh, be with us for a while. And then again, when I went to OSU, he uh, came and visited um, and would celebrate a Mass, which uh, my roommate and I wanted to have in our little, very, very small uh, duplex. We wanted to have a Mass and bring all the Catholic students over. And uh, Father Mayfield said he would do that. And at that time, Father Don Wolf was uh, attending college at OSU. So he uh, was a part of our 10 o'clock Wednesday night mass group hmm. with Father Bob Slit. And so he came over, and we, uh, Father Mayfield uh, celebrated mass in our little duplex. And... Um, one of the funny things, you know, kind of the June bug story route, was my roommate had lost her little cat named Fluffy. And Father <laughs> Mayfield was celebrating Mass, and of course we had our windows open with no screens. And uh, in comes Fluffy through the window. And Robin, my roommate, goes, Fluffy! And we were, we were in Mass, and it was like... <laughs> and Father Mayfield just enjoyed what was there and... Mm-hmm. and uh, and and gave to that at that time. So, so funny. yeah. So that that with the 10 p.m. mass uh, with Father Bob Slit again, I was fed, nourished by the true body and blood uh, everywhere I've been, and um, and that's pure grace. That's pure grace. Nothing I did deserved that, and that is also what we all know. The closer we get to Jesus. Uh, how clear it is that we we don't deserve. It's just grace passed on by the cloud of witnesses to us. So when 
fast forward to my marriage to Ed, um, I'll share one story from that. It was right after he died, and I was pretty uh, grief-stricken, and I had made a commitment for adoration. And um, I went up to adoration one Sunday afternoon, and I was pretty much miserable. And I sat there, and um, very clear to me that um, I really wanted Ed to still be alive. Too full of myself, I stay. I prayed, uh, not well. I was not praying well. And a young gentleman came in, and he was, and he was probably in his late twenties or early thirties. He came in quietly, and I was sitting in the back. And it was in the same Blessed Sacrament Chapel we have today. I was sitting in the back, and um, he came in quietly, and he gently laid prostrate before the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus. And once again, Jesus said to me, this is a blessing for you. I want you here. I need you here. And everything that it was in me that was grief-stricken was taken away at that moment through that action of that young man. Wow. And I walked away humbled and thankful. <laughs> Finally, through Mary Diane Stelton Camp, I had the opportunity to go with our diocese, Archbishop Beltran, Archbishop Coakley, and several priests. Oh, Bishop Taylor. And we went to Guatemala I was invited by Mary Diane to go, and we went to Guatemala, and I had the blessing of, of visiting uh, Santiago Atitlan, and we were gifted with going through the rectory of Blessed Stanley Rother, and we were gifted with being in the room that he was murdered in, and we were gifted with seeing his blood drops on the floor that were still there, and then we were gifted with going over to the main church and seeing where they buried his heart. I was forever changed. And again, Father Don Wolf was on that trip, and he wanted to take us on a short walk uh, to the um, site where the parishioners had walked for a protest and accidentally one of the soldiers that was still there at the time with other soldiers protecting that area, his gun went off. He was scared, and he triggered it. And then the other soldiers started shooting because they thought a threat was there. So the, the parishioners uh, were murdered at that spot. And uh, that also was a part of the witnesses that have changed my life, the witnesses of the truth of Je Jesus Christ, the parishioners, Father Blessed Stanley Rother, the nun who was uh, the one who heard what was going on, that he protected, and um, the dear soul that was forced to tell the men who wanted to murder him where he was. So we, I, cannot move away from the truth of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ through his martyrs through the self-sacrifice of my parents, my brothers and sisters, my godparents. It was always about Jesus. It was never about any one of them. 
and the priest who got up early and gave us communion in a communion service and uh, the rest of the priests and nuns that I've mentioned. So um, I thank you very much for this great gift. And one of my favorite quotes that I'll close with is from St. Peter Julian Amard. No one leaves a friend without a farewell meal. By sharing his bread, he gave his life. Thank you. Thank you, Cece. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing a, a lifetime witness of, of love for the Eucharist. And it's true, we don't become saints in a vacuum. It depends upon uh, one another. We depend upon the example of those who've come before us, those witnesses, as you mentioned, both in heaven and on earth. And so, you know, beautiful testament to the, the power of the Eucharist and how it binds us and ties us together and we grow together. So thanks for your time today. What a, Father. Oh. <laughs> you go first. No, ladies first. What a beautiful Father. witness. So beautiful. I'm wondering, actually. I can tell. Actually, I can see it. If actually. we should have named this podcast Power of the Eucharist. We maybe should have. Eucharist no, is powerful. I like, I like the joy. Joy the is joy good, name. too. I love joy. Yeah. Um, but dang. Yeah. Powerful witness. Yeah, a couple of things stand out. One, for sure, how she talked about the Eucharist protecting her in a time when she was afraid, when she was life was changing. Another Which, that makes me feel really good about my kids, mm-hmm, like for my kids. Mm-hmm. Another I thought was interesting was how powerful the, the witness of another laying prostrate before our Lord in, in the tabernacle just the visual gave reverence her peace and was a um, an avenue for the Lord to to do powerful things in her life. And um, and then again, how she had just a, and continues to have a lifelong relationship with Jesus in the, in the Blessed Sacrament. I think it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. So yeah, let's talk about that protecting aspect for a little bit. So you have a saint friend. Tell us about St. Clair of Assisi. Like, what's her deal? Yeah, St. Clair is so cool. So there's this famous moment of hers where she saves the whole town of Assisi. Well, kind of. Her mm-hmm. monastery. Mon- and the monastery, rest of the town, yes. The monastery, okay. Yes. Um, by bringing out the Eucharist. Huh. Yeah. So all the, the town was being attacked, and they were attacking the, about to attack the convent, and all her nun friends are like, yeah, we're so scared. And St. Clair's like, yeah, I'm scared too, girls, but it's going to be okay. And <laughs> yeah, she's like on her deathbed. She's super, super, super Very safe. Ill. But then she 13th gets 13th century, up, probably not going to make it, but. Dead. But then she is alive, so alive. She goes over, grabs the ciborium. Mm-hmm. And, which, which was pretty, pretty radical at the time because it, it would be only the priests whose hands were consecrated and able to touch the ciboria. And which we respect that, and that's beautiful. But that but this, this moment, is a she was like, this is a dire moment. Right, this so is a particular charism it, and grace of hers. Goes out. She grabs some oh, sacred linens. Oh, wait, no, she lays and, prostrate first mm. and begs for Jesus to deliver the, to the deliver, city, to yeah. save, yeah. Turn back the invaders, mm-hmm. and then she grabs it, and then she goes out and stops it through the Eucharist. Yeah, Jesus. so she carries it with her sisters around her. She carries the, the um, ciboria in procession, and then the invaders turn back, go back over the walls, and retreat in fear. Right? Yeah. So that's a, a very powerful example of 
the protection, right, of, of the most blessed sacrament over places. And there are lots of stories like this throughout our history. That doesn't automatically mean like... That it's always going to happen. He's always going to sure. physically save us, of course. Right. But we but do have these moments. We would be stupid to not to ask our Lord to deliver us. Like I know in a lot of places, in a lot of dioceses during the, the Rona, <laughs> that uh, priests would take the blessed sacrament in the monstrance through the bounds of the parish and would um, take the blessed sacrament into plains and bless the lands below because we believe that not only does Jesus have spiritual authority over this world, but he has temporal authority too. And so, yeah, that's how he can turn back invaders. That's how he can even guard and protect us, huh? In both of those stories, um, you mentioned them lying prostrate. And I always have to be very careful with that one because it's so close to prostate. Oh my gosh, you had to go there. (laughs) There's prostration, not prostate. Very, very, very (laughs) different. It's hard. It's a tongue twister. I know. Prostrate. I think that too with it. Mm-hmm. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> we said it. It's out there. We did. Moving on. So, yeah, body and soul, worshiping the Lord, not just with our, our minds or our, our prayers in a spiritual sense, but, you know, our Protestant friends sometimes think we Catholics are a little goofy because we've got Catholic calisthenics during Mass, right? You sit, stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, stand, bow, uh, stand, kneel. Yes. Bless. Yes. Sign of the cross. Sign of the cross. Right? So (laughs) lots of Catholic calisthenics. This is not without a purpose or without meaning, right? Um, The gestures at Mass and the gestures uh, that we use out of reverence for the the Blessed Sacrament mean stuff, right? And so commonly to stand, we stand at attention. So in those parts of the Mass where we need to be the most alert, where we need to listen, look at the Holy Gospel. To wait, it's to wake us up. Really? It's, no, it's, it's, it's that and <laughs> I was, more. I was asleep. It's that and more. Don't fall asleep during the gospel. Oh my gosh, the readings are going to go. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the, the to stand, right? That's an important part. And we stand to receive the blessing. We stand at, at other times. Um, then we sit uh, as a, a passive posture to receive. So in the during the homily, during the first readings, we want to receive, be attentive when we're receiving. We sit and then when something amazing is going on, when we uh, reverence and um, beauty, we kneel out of humility, out of trust. Um, to genuflect, genuflectare, is to bend the knee. Um, and, you know, we hear in the scriptures, um, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend in the heavens, on earth, and under the earth, right? Every knee will genuflect. Because it's important, body right? and soul is right. important. And so to, to combine those two things, to make our hearts match the, the outsides, to make the mats, outsides help make the heart match, um, the two go hand in hand, the two are together. And so, but then there's this super special one we've already talked about, prostration, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Where yes. we, um, prostration, if you don't know, is uh, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament or in a time of prayer, laying down completely, face down, um, and it's Which a, is such an awkward, uncomfortable, very vulnerable thing to do hmm. when there's other people. When there's around. other people around, for me, it's a little dangerous because it's a comfortable position. So it's like <laughs> a nap position, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, there are particular times in the church's liturgy, two that I can think of off the top of my head, where it's prostration is is required, and that's on Good Friday. At the beginning of the the Good Friday liturgy, the priests come in and prostrate themselves in in reverence and profound um, uh, grief over the the death of Christ. 
And then the other time is during ordinations. So before uh, a man receives ordination of the priesthood or the diaconate, there's a period of prostration where they lie face down, and the rest of the church sings the litany of the saints. And it's this solemn offering, this offering of oneself um, during this time of prostration. And so in personal prayer, this is an opportunity for all of us, too. Maybe it's a little awkward in front of other people or in the Adoration Chapel, but, you know, embrace the awkward. Heaven is worth the yes, awkward. it is. Maybe it's your style. Maybe it's not your style. Not everyone has to be a um, prostrate fan. But everyone does have to offer themselves totally to the Lord. And as we talked about, um, if our bodies and souls are connected, sometimes these ways of prayer, mm-hmm. kneeling especially, and then laying prostrate, and even you know raising one's right. hands or holding one's hands folded, these things aren't arbitrary. They're to try the so the outside matches the inside, and the inside matches the outside. Right? And you know when you priests do that, it's so powerful. When going back to when uh, you guys lay prostrate on Good Friday and then also at an ordination, that's such a powerful moment for us, mm. for us that are not up there with you guys. It, like you were saying, it's showing your humility, it's showing your love, and just says so much. To us. I know it always brings tears to my eyes every time that I witness you guys mm. doing that. So the reality of the importance and how powerful showing your love through physical reverence. Being a witness. Yeah. yeah. Being a witness in the world. It, like how it impacts others. Up. Like that's just really real. Yes. So like praying before meals, making the sign of the cross, even if you're in public and um, in the Adoration Chapel or even, you know, praying in the church, maybe spending a little time before or after Mass in prayer. And uh, we, not, we don't do any of this to be noticed. That would be, that would be bad. Right. That would be sinful. Yes, very important. But uh, letting the Lord work through us, letting the Lord, um, if we never manifest our devotion, our love in, in physical and external ways, how will people know? And so the Lord says, um, let your fruit shine before men so that they may praise my Heavenly Father. So... Yeah, I think that's a an important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about reverence and Eucharistic love is how how we come before the Lord. Really, do we come before him as if he's king of king and lord of lords and and we love him and he matters or do we come before him kind of slinking around, you know, meh, well, yeah. Jesus is your most intimate friend, but he is also the king of king and and lord of lords. So Finding that intimacy while at the same time having great reverence and, and love for him that's expressed in physical ways. So, so important. Yeah. Will you pray for us, please? Yeah, let's let's close with a blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Loving God, send down your blessing generously upon us and upon all who listen to this podcast. Stir into flame the gift of faith that you have placed in their hearts that they may be on fire for love of you and in their bodies and their souls may manifest a rich and beautiful faith that all may see and give glory to God in heaven. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.